hi and welcome to well read which where i talk about books and stuff in last week's episode which i think was probably only listened to by webo himself i said there was going to be a special guest i said that this week's episode was going to be special and it is webo hi 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 everyone thank you for having me welcome back to the show our only guest ever yes I'm the permanent guest, the resident. Yeah, you are. I don't have much friends, apparently. Well, don't tell the podcast. It's fine. Nobody knows who I am, so. Yeah, that's great. That yeah. that is the best part about this podcast. Yeah, it's like this very secretive thing. Okay, before we go on, you know, a thousand more tangents, I would like to. you know describe the agenda of the podcast today webo invited himself essentially because i read writers and lovers by lily king um this book was recommended to me by webo like an era ago essentially uh with like other great books i found that i i, I had that screenshot somewhere in my phone and like i think i ended up looking for it for like half an hour or something today um <laughs> uh the books webb do you remember i do uh, so what happened is you asked you were doing this project and you asked no 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 that, it's not that that was like a different thing entirely which i bailed upon yeah but i recommended to you in that only the books you wanted to read about like which make you which inspire to write yeah and i recommended this and some other books Yeah, so I have that, that entire list. Okay. Oh, okay. So what did first... I tell you to read? <laughs> the first one was uh, Beatrice, which I think was the first book I read off that list. Um, second book was Writers and Lovers, which I have read now. Um, yes. The Lonely City, How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, and The Twice Born. you have to read alexander chi you have to read him i keep gifting that book to other people and i haven't read that book myself i've read the book i don't have a copy <laughs> oh my god do you need one apparently i'm really good at gifting it to other people <laughs> go ahead to be my guest parna who do i love you are my guest right now so like you know keep an eye out maybe perhaps i don't know i'm not committing to it but like it might be a random thing great 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 hmm. so the agenda is we have wanted to talk about writers and lovers because we are abnormal friends who can only talk when it's about content yes when other person reads our favorite book we talk about it <laughs> otherwise it's radio silence yes <laughs> no it's not Now we like we usually talk, but like on random times, yeah, it's weird. Random times, random we have text. a weird dynamic. And now we are on a tangent, apparently. Yeah. Did you know? Like, have the book "Writers and Lovers"? It's it's like a historical fiction, essentially. Yeah, it is. It is. It I is. didn't realize it, it while the... I was reading it. Yeah, you you don't realize it when you read it, but it is a historical fiction in the sense that it centered around the death of Diana. So it's that time. So you remember that part when she's working in the restaurant 
Mm-hmm. And like she comes in and there's a newspaper and on that there's a headline Diana is dead something like that. Yeah. It, it, I didn't realize it while I was reading it. Uh while, like you know uh, while doing the homework for the podcast like um I basically like opened Goodreads and stuff and like it's set in 1997 is like what? <laughs> yeah. That's the year uh, Diana passed away, na? Yeah, I it just like completely and, skipped over my brain. I think like I didn't register yeah. it as like you know a book that was that much in past. Yeah, there was this. Uh, she has a flashback. Casey, Casey, be badiya character, main character. Mm. She has a flashback about her mother, mm. and in that uh, she wakes up to see the bridal procession of uh, Diana. Remember that part? Yeah. and then her mother says something about how diana is not like doesn't look happy or something and uh, remember that part yeah so that's the connection which which uh, really king brings back when diana passes away so that it is a historical fiction in that sense yeah but like still it it just felt like so in you know something that would be set in today's time that like my brain just automatically didn't register that it was that yeah, much it reads very contemporary it doesn't read like a historical fiction at all historical fiction reads way different than this one does it's very I contemporary know, right it just like it clearly went over my brain <laughs> like i yeah. remember reading That's... those scenes i remember feeling fondness mm-hmm. i remember uh feeling nostalgia and like being scared about what i would do if i were in that situation um but like it just didn't register okay okay yeah yeah it doesn't register because it's it's very contemporary but i think there are small like bits and pieces of it you can like pick up on like the phones are a little older if you really mm. read into the between between the lines yeah and there was the no mention of instagram a, yeah and they, like the way they are working in a restaurant like there's no there's no computer as like there's computers mm. but it's nothing advanced advanced it's just a simple mechanism of feeding in your Uh, order and just getting it. I love that setting, that restaurant setting. That you know, she's waiting in. I yeah. love that setting. I have imagined that restaurant so many times. The downstairs, the upstairs, the the balcony, which is hanging like outside the area behind the glass doors. Wow! I have like this vivid imagery in my brain at like how the restaurant yeah. looks. and how it feels to be there and like not as a guest i'm not imagining it as like you know somebody who's in there to consume something i imagined it from kc's perspective like what do the kitchens look like how do you go where are the tables situated and everything like it's such a you know vivid it's just like i'm i'm lost for words here but like i'm i know i'm repeating the word like i use like 3 seconds ago but like it's such a vivid uh-huh. image in your brain like yeah the writing is very detailed it is very vivid but in the at the same time it doesn't feel like info dump yeah you know some books feel like info dump it doesn't feel like info dump she gives you clues as to what is where like sort of and then you build upon it it's brilliant it's brilliant those tea lights in the tequila glasses Yeah. and the glass doors and kitchen obviously and the uh, what is that um, which ha- america it's everywhere the staircase behind a building what it's called 
I don't know, man. Fire escape. The fire escape. The fire yeah. escape. The fire escape. Okay. Fire escape where she smokes. Great. So it's simple things. And then you, you connect them to whatever is in your brain. You know what a fire escape looks like. Yeah. And then you suddenly it's there. Suddenly the image is there. And the weird thing is, I know Weber and me, like both of us are going to have like, you know, very different images. But like both of us ha- have like such um, like solid images. Like it's not hazy. It's not yes. dreamy. It's like there. Yes. It's concrete. Yes. The restaurant exists in my brain. Very concrete. Yeah. And I work there Isn't, somehow. Yeah. The, the great part. <laughs> the great part is. not to invoke a certain imagery it is to invoke a very strong imagery yeah and that is what lily king does she invokes a very strong imagery i i read it second time just mm. for this podcast because i was like let's brush up and everyone clap for weber i read it even though weber is the only one who's probably listening <laughs> that's not true ashwin will listen to this one hi ashwin <laughs> Hello Ashwin how are you I read it for the second time this time I read it first when it came out as a net galley I got a galley copy Oh I didn't and know I, that Yeah Oh yeah I got a galley copy from net galley and I don't know why I read it I was just on a spree of reading about writers I read beach read around that time uh, around that time I read the Alexander Chee book how to write an autobiographical novel and I read this and i have never read lily king not before not after that i will but i have not read it uh, read her any of her books again after writers and lovers so she was a very new author although she is very established for me she was a stranger author i didn't know anything about her writing style or whatever mm-hmm. and i just went in blind i read a very small blurb and i requested a copy i got it i think it was grove atlantic which gave me the copy and i just went in and uh, great stuff i remember reading it throughout the night from my phone essentially i don't even have a kindle i read on my phone my galley copies and i read it like through the night brilliant brilliant stuff this time i tried the audiobook and that is very audiobook is very very good because in this book sometimes there are songs like you know she sings thoughts and there are noises and the narrator does the they say remember uh when uh, it was it silas who was riffing through the book and yeah. then it's written whoosh whoosh and yeah. the narrator goes whoosh, whoosh oh damn funny. wow the audiobook is really great if you are list if you are reading it and if you are into audiobooks try this audiobook very good audiobook yeah so different experience uh it's been 2 years since first read it i had a different experience not in the sense that i didn't like it i love it all the same mm-hmm. and maybe even more but i have some things to add we'll get to it we'll okay get it. how was your experience first time i have had a troubled relationship with you know books around writers and books around book lovers uh mm-hmm. i'm going to link the book lover episode down in the description yeah. for anyone interested um but like usually i build it up in my brain to be this huge thing um especially book around writers or like anything book related where people in the book or the characters in the book love books and like are around books or like their life is centered around books i expect them to be like me and they don't turn out to be um and it's hugely disappointing like why aren't you 
you know the way i imagined you to be and it's like mostly my fault <laughs> is it mostly yeah mostly my fault <laughs> like it's not anyone else's fault that you know i build up the book to be this huge magnum opus yeah, so completely your fault yeah uh, <laughs> not mostly writers and lovers took me by surprise by how like you know you read about writers and like falling in love and all that stuff and um mm-hmm. it's usually established or it's usually taken for granted that the writer is writing or the writer is a successful writer or at least that's the sort of books that i've come across uh i don't think i've ever seen a writer struggling so bad in a book and i was like yes this that is my me. these are my people case is me that yeah that was very realistic uh, her struggle writing and just the act of writing and the problems she faced not from a professional point of view not from a editor's point of view not like she's getting hmm. uh, manuscripts back no she's just having trouble writing exactly it. nobody talks That's about it enough is. yeah yeah like you know the author profession or the writer profession is usually glorified mm-hmm. as like this thing of like oh the book wrote itself or or like i Magical was thinking yeah like the author is dead about, like i know roland bart said that the author is dead but like you have to get the book out of you for the author to be dead um, and like nobody really oh, talks no. about it and like i it like it, it was really validating because i am going through like a terrible terrible writer's block at this point and i hate it and like i try to look for inspiration everywhere and it's just like nothing is coming and like i have uh you know a set time out of my schedule where, where i'm supposed to write and like nothing happens and it's frustrating and like this book really validated it all for me at this point my writer's block has a writer's block <laughs> i'm sorry for laughing but that was a funny way <laughs> it is it is horrible i have not written anything sensible so long but yeah what you did those translations this year no yes yes i am translating it's a very true portrait of like you know what writers go through on a day to day basis that's not really discussed in pop culture like yeah um felt really validated yeah and as you said in uh, other books generally not naming mm. names anything and but generally what happens that the writing goes in the background and the yeah. love story takes the center stage exactly which is of course it's a love story it's a romance book but mm. it's also annoying yeah the roughest draft also like handled that writer's thing really well because writing was the forefront of it writing was the forefront of it yes writing was the forefront of it i'm That's so glad really i read that book like if anything yeah, is challenging I'm... writers and lovers it's probably the roughest draft um roughest draft but like the way the book was sold to me it was not like the book was sold to me as this thing of like there there's this huge conflict between them that you don't yeah. even know that they are going to you know patch up by the end of it but like when i read yeah. it it wasn't as huge as i imagined it to be like yeah yes but at the same time hmm. i won't recommend writers and lovers and roughest draft in the same sentence like no 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 not at all because they're so different they are so writers different. and lovers 
reads like a literary fiction book like borderline literary fiction but like it's not that literary that you won't be able to digest it yeah rafis draft is like pure romance lovely book yeah, pure romance yeah but like oh, romance yeah. is romance and writing go hand in hand while uh, writers and lovers takes a tiny bit more serious tone yes it does writers and lovers focuses solely on the writing part yes the lover part is there but it does not uh, eclipse the writing part hmm. her struggle as a writer is at the forefront yes uh, her struggle to cope with the grief is at the forefront yes uh, okay we have apparently jumped right in the middle and people who don't know what the book is about might be super confused so let me give a brief synopsis okay so writers and lovers the book about our character called uh, casey peabody uh, she is a waitress in a restaurant she is in her early 30s yeah yes late very late 20s or early 30s and she is trying to write a novel the other part of it is that she has recently lost her mother and she is trying to cope with the grief of it so her writing the struggle and the grief uh, is all together in this book and we see her cope through all of it manage through all of it uh, that's the book about i can't tell much more it will be spoilery at after this point but that's the basic premise we have a writer who is waitressing uh, she lives in a potting shed and she's trying to write her debut novel that is there also she is a golf prodigy like that's a yes. underlying thing she was, yeah she was a golf prodigy hmm. i have a I few quotes that i want to you know say here like i've ah. marked them specifically yeah, yeah. okay yeah, the yeah. first one is it smells like my mother's garden on a rainy summer morning i don't know what it is about this line but like it just hits you right in the feel uh, the second one is it's a particular kind of pleasure of intimacy loving a book with someone oh yeah miss lily king what are you doing why okay uh, there's this huge section where uh, like the, the there's a discussion essentially about famous authors and the relationship be- between them and their mothers and i think yeah that was great beautifully written and beautifully executed and like i sometimes just like randomly go back to it for like you know just like yeah i want to read that section once again and it's like it brings Why? me to tears every single time the the third one the shortest one i marked is in the spring when all these lilacs bloom it is magnificent we'll come back then and this was around the time when i was you know analyzing and picking apart elliot's burial of the dead and like i just can't help but relate this to the starting of the wasteland where he says um april is the cruelest month and like you know the entire first section it's so beautiful like my in my brain like these two things connect and it's intertextuality and it's brilliant literature student problems yeah uh, i like it's like 
Elliot is becoming an obsession at this point and it's not funny anymore. Like I find Elliot yeah. everywhere. I've been listening to listening you talk about Elliot for last 3 months on the podcast now. Sorry. <laughs> But not sorry. <laughs> I'm not complaining. <laughs> it's just a fact. You're obsessed. My professor was obsessed with Elliot. Like she's always been obsessed with Elliot. um and mm-hmm. i was like no i'm not going to be obsessed with elliot like i'm going to be that student who's not obsessed with elliot but like yeah the more i read <laughs> into him the more there is the more references you find and it's just so like yeah elliot okay, is a beautiful writer he is there's another one like i think this is going to be the last one that i talk about it was strong whatever was between us thick like the wet air and the smell of every green thing ready to bloom maybe it was just spring maybe that's all it was and like nice. it's the you know that tenderness of like a lo- uh, love happening and you're not being sure whether it's like you know it's actually a thing or it's the environment around you is like influencing it and yeah it's, it's so beautiful like i've i have marked like half of this book but like uh like these were the only shortest ones that i can do talk about you like going overboard uh but yeah do you have any specific lines sever when i read it first when i read it for the first time i did mark a lot of it hmm. but i don't think it is there anymore like i think it like um, i think i lost all of the things i marked because some my kindle recalibrated or something Ah, that's oh, I have, 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 I have. Breaking news, okay. everyone. Webber has found his highlight. <laughs> Hello, everyone. So, uh, there is part about when she talks about the author photographs that I loved. Okay. That I highlighted. Uh, then there was this quote. I can tell he lost lost someone close somehow. You can feel that in people and openness. or maybe it's an opening that you are talking into with other people people who haven't been through something like that you feel the solid wall your words go scatter shot off of it that's beautiful and then there was this part very hard breaking part when she talks about her mother's i wanted her and no one else to tell me the story of how she died oh, i died at this line It reminds me of Kadesh by Allen Ginsberg. We are doing that in our class right now, and um, oh. like it's such a heartbreaking. Like you know, the, have you read Ode to Nightingale by John Keats? I have, but I don't remember any of it. Okay, uh, I'm gonna talk academia for like two minutes. I'm sorry for anyone who's not interested. Uh, <laughs> The feeling I got when I was reading uh, John Keats's Ode to Nightingale was essentially the same feeling I'm getting uh, when I'm reading Kadesh. I don't know whether it's something about the month of September because we did that last year and and it was also September. Um, but like, there's this very inherent uh, theme of death essentially in the both of these poems, and um, both of them like. are glad or like want death to you know come that like keeps wishes for his own death um in order to nightingale because he's that much in physical emotional life wise pain 
and uh, Ginsburg is glad that his mother has passed on because like um like her his mother's life was so full of pain that he can't help but feel relieved that you know it's like she doesn't have to feel all this pain anymore and, and i just like i started tearing up in class today and um yeah it was it was a whole thing um yeah is this a poem yeah kadish is a poem i think Why i don't know so long yeah i found it on poetry foundation mm-hmm. very long very long so okay, i'll i'll try and get through it somehow it's it's really like <laughs> I mean I don't know how much you can appreciate it because like there are uh, mm. there are not that many references in Kadish Howl had a lot of references um but I think you can read it on your own it makes sense like if you yeah, don't really know the background very, yeah on a very basic uh, reader level it will make sense not on an academic level not uh, I'll not experience it like you did in a classroom but hmm. on a reader level I can I had like it's a very eerie thing to feel like the same emotion for two different poems by like you know two different authors in like separate centuries essentially and um like to have that feeling it just you know it feels like like death is the only thing that ties us all together and like I still remember like being so teary-eyed when we were doing Ode to Nightingale because like that reminded me of Emily Dickinson and Dickinson lived a long life and like she wrote so many poems about death and um with Keats uh, the poem got published 3 years before his death and I, i i i didn't know whether i should be like you know relieved for him that he finally got what he was essentially asking for in the poem um or to be sad that we lost a brilliant poet uh because like he had this disease which like there was no cure cure for at the time it was like i'm i'm going to start crying now <laughs> <laughs> don't cry i think we should be happy that we had him yeah we had keith we had jinsberg uh, we had elliot we had Uh, so many great writers and poets we should be glad that we have them yes we should be but like yeah like he, he, i've seen so like there's this movie called a bright star which i literally googled 2 seconds ago um i've watched it a couple of times and it's like a good movie and like you see the pain people went through when keats died and like to think that all these brilliant minds like when i say brilliant minds i just mean keats and van gogh essentially like i know there were a lot of many people who went through the same thing but like still uh like he like keith didn't see his success and that's heartbreaking well so many of them did not um, yeah you know so many of the poets and writers got fame posthumously especially the ones in the 20th century yeah <clears throat> even metaphysics allenging metaphysical yeah. poets like those they were revived by eliot wow we are back to eliot <laughs> we are back to eliot even even allen ginsberg he was he was lucky enough to see his fame otherwise his contemporaries were not so lucky yeah um especially all the 
queer poets all the queer writers all the queer poets they were not so lucky to see their fame yeah be yep. there for when they were discovered when they were read by the public yeah it is horrible it's really sad but also kind of gives me hope that okay if i don't succeed in life maybe somebody will discover my poem 17000 years later i mean that's the beauty of writing no yeah. like right we have we have written word from ashoka dynasty and then before that and before that and before that exactly we have written things from indus valley we can't read them but they are there i love how we are talking about writers and lovers like the book but we are also t- talking about writers Uh, like the podcast is coming so beautifully <laughs> it it but it is uh, about that no the book the book it uh, book itself talks about so many writers yeah her inspiration uh, lily king i think lily king poured her heart into it, this one mm. i don't know how right it will sound when i say this and i and i'm sure i'm wrong because i've not read lily king other things mm-hmm. but i think this is her only book where she talks about writing so personally i mean it does feel personal like yeah uh, like i can imagine casey being an actual person like casey doesn't yeah, come off yeah. as a character she comes off as a person yeah. casey so real her she couldn't sleep hmm. she could she had jitters she couldn't write there was this there's this scene uh, towards the end of the book where she falls asleep and then somebody wakes her up and she's like i'm not mad they woke me up i'm glad i slept exactly it, it's just so human and like i love how yeah. human our main character is because sometimes you read books and like the characters are not three dimensional not like you know they are in complex as humans are and you can tell and it's just a sad experience because like okay sometimes you read a book and it flows by you like you don't really think too much about it but sometimes when you're actually paying attention like it catches you so off guard and it's just a sad experience but like i really love this book like i don't think any book so far i've read this year comes close to writers and lovers apart from the roughest draft um I'm so happy. When you were reading it, I was so scared. I was like, okay. It's very easy to impress me, Weber. Like, literally very easy. <laughs> it's not about impressing someone. It's not my book. But it's more about, I love this book. Will you love it too? How will they take it? How will they take it now? Recommending somebody your favorite book is, it's a very diabolical experience in the sense that Yeah, you don't want that book to go anywhere. Yeah. First of all, you want to hide it. You can't hide it. Obviously, it's published, but you want to hide it. And gatekeepers suggest it to someone. Yeah, all all book lovers are gatekeepers. <laughs> What are talking about? We all we all gatekeep books. Yeah. <laughs> we we all gatekeep our favorite books. We keep them hidden. We'll tell it to the person we want it to. Otherwise, no. <laughs> yeah. I love Beeshwar. Like that's a given fact. If you look mm. at my Instagram for like a month, you will know I have a mm. obsession with her books. 
but I don't recommend them to people because like I don't want other people to experience them. <laughs> it's extremely selfish of me. But yeah, like yeah, it's selfish is also stupid. The book is out there; they can read it and buy it. Exactly. Can't do much about it. But it's yeah. But I avoid uh, talking about them at like. Okay, sorry. You were saying something. I think it's the I think it's the stupidity of uh, like beginning of love. I think still <laughs> <So> you're like <laughs> you're stupid around that time, and you're like. Oh, I'm not gonna <laughs> tell it to anyone. It's mine, only mine, my, my <laughs> precious. <laughs> I think it's more of the it's fact okay. that, uh, like her books talk about sibling relationships and cousins and all yeah. those ignored parts of uh, dynamics that you don't really find in books. Um, like you can find a thousand different books about you know people loving each other. uh but like finding a book about a a sibling relationship is so hard sometimes and like so like hard, so hard. in shades of magic there are like a bunch of scenes uh where mm-hmm. like she talks about insecurities between siblings between adopted siblings she talks about um there's this very specific dream sequence where you can tell that like the sibling that's not adopted truly does love mm-hmm. the adopted sibling and like the adopted sibling like although he does love like everyone in the family um like he's still so insecure about his position in the family and like he feels like they're using him and like by the end of the third book it's like there are so many instances to tell him that no that he's loved and like that just yeah i can't with wish what she does family dynamics so well so writers and lovers um this book deals with so many things but it never feels like again of course it doesn't feel like info dump also but it also doesn't feel like like there's too much stuffing in it you know yeah it deals with right it deals with grief it deals with unemployment it deals with uh mental uh, health issues sibling dynamics mental health issues sibling dynamics physical health issues yes uh job safety everyday money problem uh, just a simple act of standing in a bank line i love that part yeah finding love in a family that already exists that's that's a huge part of it i'm not going to tell anything but like a family that already Sorry. exists a family that has gone through the pain of losing somebody they mm. love And yes, like, yeah, that too, that too. But I am glad that Lily King didn't try to reinstate a mother figure in the book. Yeah. Sometimes writers do that. Hmm. Sometimes that they 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 make they write a protagonist who have lost their mother and they try to reinstate somebody else as the mother figure. Hmm. I'm so glad they didn't do it in this book. Also, uh, they I'm glad Lily King wrote it when she wrote it. Mm-hmm. and she didn't write it at the beginning of her career because today some writers do write about the struggles of writing mm-hmm. as their debut work mm-hmm. and i'm glad she did lily king didn't do this because i'm i think if she had written it in the beginning of her career i don't think this book would have the impact it has now mm-hmm. because of course she grew as a writer and she's written so many books before this this is like a very well forged very well done piece of work mm, it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece it's done to the t 
it's written very well it's edited beautifully it has just the perfect amount of things in it mm. oh, love it love it so uh, i love the imagery we talk about the imagery i wanted to mention one uh, one thing when we were talking about the imagery okay uh, when she comes down the bridge on her banana bike bicycle and there are like what there swans or ducks yeah uh, there is the swans all around and she just flies through them great stuff mm-hmm. i i was on that bike i was on that bike <laughs> Like it just feels like you are there. You are observing everything yeah. around you. Like somehow you've gained access to Casey's life, and you are just standing there watching her go through stuff. Like you want to go ahead and touch her on the shoulder and tell her that you are there for her, mm. but it's not possible yeah. because you are reading a book. Like that's how real <laughs> Casey is. I hope nobody makes a movie out of it. Same. I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah, it's not, no, no. It's too perfect in my head. Yeah, I have my own movie. <laughs> okay, we have been going um, at it for quite some time now. Yeah. What should we talk about next? Should we? Should I talk about some of the criticism I had when I I now to have read it second time? Okay, yeah, good. Go ahead, talk about that. Okay, so I'll just quickly tell you this one thing I have. There's only one big criticism I have. Okay, is that in the end it all wraps up very well, like very neatly with a bow. Everything just suddenly ha- starts happening for her. Mm. And good for her. I love that for mm-hmm. her. But it doesn't feel realistic like ninety percent, ninety-five percent of the book did. The ninety-five percent of the book was very realistic, obviously, mm-hmm. and then like very end part is like okay, everything is perfect. Like, okay, so that is a small piece of criticism I have, but I think it was necessary also yeah. because she struggled so much. She needed the rewards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that is a small thing I had there. I would have loved a like a single loose thread, um, but like. Yeah, I do think like even you make your character suffer through so much, and then you don't give them a happy ending. I don't like that at all either. Yeah. So like I'm when, a bit on the fence about this. Yeah, when I first read, when I first heard about this book, uh, somebody on uh, you know Cat Sister, Cat Sister was yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah, and she said that it all neatly ties up with a bow, and it does. Hmm. And. And when I when I was reading it the first first time, it was like peak pandemic, mm-hmm. and it it ending with a beautiful ending, it happy ending was nice at that time. Yeah. But now now it's now it's like okay, maybe something could have not been this perfect. One thing, one thing could not. Perfect. I'm a sadist. <laughs> Fine. Like, do you? Bevo, last thoughts. How has your experience been on this podcast? It was great. <laughs> uh, it's always fun. Uh, it is only second time, but I'm saying it like I've been doing it every day. It's always fun recording and coming on this podcast. Uh, We're going to make it a please. thing now. The reading books Bevo recommended, yeah. so he can come on podcast and like we can talk about it. And it gives me an excuse to read them again. So yeah. don't start recommending me every single book you read. 
just because you I want do. to be on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh, i have so many books i don't have to do i don't have to recommend every single one of them to do that <laughs> that's fair just a few would work yeah. i have a wide range <laughs> yes so uh, i would recommend uh, writers and lovers to everyone who wants to experience what it is like being a writer who would like a peek behind the writing experience uh if you are struggling with writing if if you are struggling with uh, grief i think this could be the book for you and if you want to read a book about it of course uh, mm. don't read if it's triggering mm. but if you want to read a book about your struggle with grief or your struggle with writing then go ahead this is the book for you and if you just want to have like read a fun book just read writers and lovers yeah it's a good book i think anyone who will read it will have a good time because like there's a lot of ups and downs there's like you, like as we said uh like it ties up all nicely so you are in for a happy ending don't worry about it don't worry about that yeah uh perfect thank you for being here webb it's always fun having you here um you can always invite yourself over um <laughs> thanks for having me thanks for having me again i did invite myself this time yeah he, he really went is like okay i'm i want to talk about this book on podcast can, when can we do this yeah i was so excited when you read it and you loved it like now i want to talk about it <laughs> It's been fun Vivek having you here. It's always fun talking with you. It's always fun when you push me to do stuff that I procrastinate over. Um have a lovely week everyone. I am recording this on a Saturday. I don't know what's going to happen on the Monza race. I know we didn't talk about the Monza race. I know nobody cares but like I'm still very nervous about it. Um so yeah, hopefully things will go nicely. Vivek it's always a pleasure to have you. Everyone listening I hope you have a wonderful lovely day night afternoon I don't know when you are listening okay cool I'll see you all next week bye bye